Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. The main chat at both the function tonight and the briefing today from the Aussies involved is how are we going to plan our toilet breaks on the day? Because there are very, mm. we've been warned, there are very limited toilets at Westminster Abbey. Yes, Westminster Abbey has a lot of things. Apparently, not so many toilets. That was Aussie comedian Adam Hills there with his priorities very straight as he gears up to attend the coronation of King Charles III this weekend. It's been 70 years since the last coronation. That was of Elizabeth II in 1953, Charles's mum. Uh, there were 8,000 guests at that one. So this coronation is going to be a slightly more subdued affair. 2,200 guests are invited from right around the world, um, including our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. He is taking with him 20 upstanding Australians, such as soccer star Sam Kerr, Nick Cave, uh, Professor Maren Voicey. She was one of the lead scientists on the AstraZeneca vaccine. And, of course... Adam Hills, who will be back a little bit later in the show um, to tell us what is in store for the Aussie Coro contingent over the next day or so. That's coming up in just a second. But first, Rihanna Patrick with me for today's headlines. It is Friday, May 5th. Around 250,000 aged care workers are set to benefit from a 15% pay rise. If you're a personal care worker, that means for you nearly $140 a week extra or $7,000 a year extra in your pay packet. If you are a registered nurse, it means $198 a week extra. That is life-changing money for people. Aged Care Minister Annika Wells there. And the decision has been locked in ahead of next week's federal budget. So historic increase, Jan. Yeah, $11.3 billion will be allocated over the next four years um, from June. So this isn't a huge surprise. This was a Labor election um, 2021 promise. I think Labor could see the strain that COVID had put on our aged care workforce. Of course, there was a Royal Commission into the aged care sector. And just the fact that we've got an ageing population here in Australia and we need to invest in that workforce, uh, Labor did pledge that they were going to give um, aged care workers a pay rise. They were sort of just waiting on what the Fair Work Commission was going to um, sort of suggest that pay rise should be. The unions wanted a 25% increase. They didn't get that, um, but 15%, I think, as Annika Wells said, is life-changing for for some people. It's, it's, it's not a small drop. Weight loss empire Jenny Craig will remain open in Australia despite looking set for closure in the US. That's according to a leaked staff email which revealed most US employees' final shift will be today. But the company's operations in Australia are expected to continue because they're independent of the states. So there's a lot happening in the Jenny Craig space, Jan. Well, it's no secret. They've been in um, some pretty hot water recently. I think they were looking for a uh, buyer last month. Yeah, apparently, Jan, $250 million US dollars in debt is what they're saying. Right. Well, the Australian operation, so there's 80, um, I think, what's called weight management centres uh, here in Australia. There's around 700 globally. Um, the ones in Australia, a few of the employees have said that it's been quite frustrating. They've not been told in advance about what's going on in the US and the closures and, you know, understandably are sort of feeling a little bit unsettled. But as far as we know, the Australian operations are yet to be affected. 
Adam Cranston, who's waiting to be sentenced for his role in Australia's biggest ever tax fraud, has had his legal funding removed. The Attorney-General, Mark Dreyfus, has personally intervened, resulting in the Commonwealth no longer providing legal aid to Cranston as he awaits sentencing. Cranston, who is the son of former Australian Tax Office Deputy Commissioner Michael Cranston, is one of five people found guilty of two charges in relation to the Plutos payroll scam, which ultimately swindled the tax office out of 100 $105 million. Yes, huge, a huge swindle. And this is this is a bit of a complicated story, but uh, if I was going to simplify it, it's sort of a tug of war between the Commonwealth and the state of New South Wales. So basically, since January 2021, Cranston has been receiving Commonwealth-funded legal aid. That's since been pulled. And it's messy because the Commonwealth says, well, this is a case that's being heard in the New South Wales court. Therefore, if he wants to apply for legal aid funding, he should do it in the state of New South Wales. The judge, who is a New South Wales judge, um, is very mad about this because he says that the cost of finding someone new after all this time, you know, this year-long trial, would uh, would be very high, astronomical, I think he called the cost. So um, he's not happy about that decision. But that's what it's about. It's a sort of a, a, a political money-sharing issue. And it's a case that the briefing has been speaking a lot about because if you have been following it, last week his sister Lauren Cranston was sentenced to eight years for her part in the scheme, but Adam played an even bigger role and was essentially the brains and the lead in that operation. And Russia has accused Ukraine of attempting to assassinate Vladimir Putin in an alleged drone attack on the president's residence, the Kremlin. But the US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, says Russia has failed to provide any proof. I would take anything coming out of the Kremlin with a very large shaker of salt. So let's see. Uh, we'll see what, uh, what, what the facts are. Mm, oh, my Blinken sounding like he does not believe what Vladimir Putin is telling him and the rest of the world. Uh, Ukraine has denied any involvement. Yeah, and so experts have been having a bit of a discussion around this, whether it was the Ukraine, did Russia do it themselves, and then other experts saying that an, an attack could be conceivable, but whether it was an assassination attempt, who knows. Um, and as you heard there, the, the US have weighed in, but they've also denied any involvement. So I guess we might know or we might not know. And a very big win for any young Aussies looking to move to the UK. If that's you, your ears should perk up. So Canberra has signed this major trade deal with the country. Um, it's lifting the age of people able to apply for a working holiday visa to, dum-dum-dum, the ripe old age of 35. And we're now allowing them to stay over in the UK for three years instead of two. So if you thought you'd missed the boat on that one, you have not. It'll also be a huge win for farmers um, because tariffs are being scrapped on products like wine, honey, beef, lamb, dairy and sugar, um, all of our exports to the UK. Also, Brits who are living and working here will no longer have to do farm work from the end of this month. So that extends to one of our briefing producers, Nicole. I, I don't know if the laws will come in in time for you, Nicole. You might still have to go and pick fruit, mate. Coming up. We head to the UK for the coronation with Adam Hills.
Comedian Adam Hills is one of a handful of Australians who have been invited to attend the coronation of King Charles III. He is in London at the moment. And when I say in London, he's in the most London place ever. He's in a cab zipping around London. So if you hear him give directions to the cab driver, don't hold it against him. It's the most London thing ever. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. You are one of a handful of Australians invited to the coronation. Is this really a shining moment in your career? Have you called your mum up and gone, Mum, I've made it. I've finally made it. Do you know what? I'll tell you the truth. I knew about this four weeks ago and I told my mum and no one else, but she couldn't tell anyone and it's been killing her. It's been absolutely (laughs) killing her. She was calling me every day saying, can I tell anyone yet? And I was like, no, mum, they haven't made the announcement. And then the next day she'd call up, can I tell anyone? And I'm like, okay, if you haven't seen it in the press, don't tell anyone. Well, your mum's obviously very proud of you as one of a handful of Aussies representing um, the the country there. Are you proud of yourself? How are you feeling? Does this, you know, is this a heavy burden for you? You know what, we've just, so I'm in a cab right now. I'm coming back from a, a fun, and we had an afternoon tea at the High Commissioner's residence with the Prime Minister and Nick Cave was there and Sam Kerr from the Matildas and all the Australian representatives. And the Governor-General gave this lovely speech where he said, all of Australia will be watching the coronation through your eyes. You're not just representing Australia, you're seeing the coronation for all of Australia. It was such a beautiful moment. I expected an orchestra to start playing and, like, you know, (laughs) violins to kick in. It's not so much a responsibility as a privilege, I think, that we get to witness it on behalf of Australia. And and also, the, you know, the, the, the spread of people is so indicative of what Australia is at the moment, you know, from a nurse that helped out during COVID to, to a statistician who helped develop the vaccine to, you know, the Prince of Darkness, Nick Cave. I mean, it covers the whole spectrum. How does one get an invite to a thing like this? And and when you got the call, I mean, were you surprised or was it a, a definite yes from you? Oh, the call was hilarious because they, they built up to the big payoff. So it was, hi, I'm calling from the High Commission in London. We'd like to know if you would like to join a group of select Australians. And I'm like, oh, yes to accompany the Prime Minister, and I was like, mm-hmm, to the coronation. And it was like, wow, that you saved the best to last on that one. That was amazing. <laughs> but the, and my first response was, okay, my daughter turns 13, my oldest daughter turns 13 on the Monday. I have to check which weekend she's having her party. I, I said to them, I'll call you back. And then I ran off and said to my daughter, okay, when's your birthday party? Because I've been invited to the coronation. And she was like, oh, Dad, you've got to go. What does the next uh, one to two days look like? Have you been told about what to expect? Is there a dress code? Do you have to behave in a certain way? Last night, for the first time in my life, I literally Googled the phrase, can I wear my MBE to a coronation? <laughs> <laughs> and might surprise you to know, I, I don't think before this year anyone's ever Googled that phrase. <laughs> and um, what was the answer? So- well, we, we, we had a we had a meeting today at Australia House where we were all briefed and the question came up and the answer was, listen, if you can't wear it to a coronation, where can you wear it? And what are you going to so, be doing over the next 24 hours? What hot stuff is uh, in, in the pipeline for you in terms of events? Um, tomorrow's pretty cruisy. Uh, we've had a few functions today. The interesting thing, and I'm going to be honest, the main chat at both the function tonight and the briefing today from the Aussies involved is how are we going to plan our toilet breaks on the day? 
because there are very whooping horns, there are very, very limited toilets at Westminster Abbey. We need to be there at 8.30 at the latest and the ceremony finishes at 1. So <laughs> we're genuinely, like my plan, here's my plan, because there was there was a doctor, there's an Australian, amazing Australian doctor who's going to be one of the one of the group. He suggested caffeine tablets. I'm going to take, there's a brand of paracetamol over here that also has caffeine in it. So I think the caffeine will get through the coffee withdrawals and the paracetamol will take away the bladder pain and that's how I'm going to get through. <laughs> I love that at the top of your coronation planning list is this very extensive outline of toilet planning. That's You've been to many events, Adam. I'll give you that. That's great. I'm just imagining a, a whole, an entire row of portaloos around Westminster Abbey, and I've got to say, it's ruining my mind's eye of what I thought the coronation might look like. Hey, Adam, you, you've been living in, in the UK for, for quite a while now. Um, you're there at the moment. Can you give us a picture of sort of what the vibe in London is like? Is, is it electric? How, how's, how's it all feeling? It's such a weird vibe here, I'll be honest. It's a bit... For me, it feels like a bit like the lead-up to the Olympics in 2012 where the vibe in London was, oh, it's going to be a bit shit, isn't it? <laughs> and it turned out all right. Oh. Um, <laughs> it feels like, you know, it's a tough time over here. There's cost of living prices. People are doing it tough. And the, the, the Queen was so well-loved that there feels like there's a bit of, I don't know, is on we the right word? jadedness, almost mm. a little bit of cynicism about it. I think on the day it'll be huge. I mean, there are people camping out already on the Mall um, leading up to Buckingham Palace, so I think it's going to be enormous. Um, you know what the Brits are like. They don't like to get too excited about stuff. They don't like to let you know that they're happy. <laughs> they'll cheer on the day, but they'll be a little bit cynical about it in the lead-up, I think. I mean, it has been 70 years since the last monarch um, had a coronation. That was in 1953. The monarchy is still very, very popular in Britain, just FYI. All the polling shows that. Is there any sort of increased republicanism or dissent that you're picking up on at all? I think it goes both ways. Funnily enough, I was talking to a cab driver on the way to the function today, and he was like, you know, in 1953 there were people saying we don't need a coronation. It's just after the war. We need to save money. You know, there's always going to be... Yeah. The, all the discussions I've heard this this week about do we need a, a monarchy and do we need a coronation and all that kind of stuff, it all reminds me of the scene in um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail <laughs> when King Arthur stumbles upon some peasants and they're like, well, you're not my king. You know, true power comes from a mandate from the masses, not from some classical aquatic ceremony. Every conversation I've heard this week <laughs> that's anti-monarchy sounds exactly like that. Are there a lot of those conversations oh. going on or not really? I don't know if you read Nick Cave's blog this week, but he apparently had received criticism from a few people that had emailed him or messaged him saying, what would the young Nick Cave make of you going to the coronation? And his response was beautiful. He said, I'm not a monarchist, nor am I a Republican, but what I'm also not is so incurious about the world that I would let ideology stop me witnessing a moment in history. I, I think it boils down to that. I mean, I'm going to be in Westminster Abbey where kings and queens have been crowned since 1066. I'm going to watch King Charles sit on a chair that's been used since the 1300s and wear a crown that was crafted in the 1600s. Like, 
for me is is remarkable, regardless of where you stand on the monarchy. It's it's a piece of history. So I'm absolutely buzzing about it. And I think, to be fair, I think for all the cynicism that, that Londoners in particular like to show, they'll really embrace it when it happens. Yeah, I'm sort of with you um, on that. I mean, I, I am a Republican. I, I want Australia to become a Republican. I hope it happens in my lifetime. But having said that, if I was invited to the coronation, which I haven't been conspicuously, I would absolutely <laughs> go. It's a moment in history that I want to kind of be, you know, to, to be present for and to be able to witness. And also, I want to be there if something goes horribly wrong. You know, I want to say, I saw that. With my own two eyes, I was there and, you know, bring some bitchy stories back to Australia. Look, the way I put it to someone today, a journalist, I said, look, I don't support St Helens or Catalans, but I still went to watch them play in the Super League Grand Final. (laughs) I spoke to a couple of people today who were at the function who were also part of the rehearsal today as part of the ceremony. And to be in Westminster Abbey when you have a choir singing, singing songs that were written to be sung in Westminster Abbey hundreds of years ago, when you've got an orchestra playing in there, that is going to be remarkable. So you can't say no to to an offer like this. The thing is that those attending the ceremony, actually everyone, everyone, the British public, Australians at home, everyone's been asked to swear allegiance out loud to the new king. Are you going to be doing that hand on heart? Well, interesting. I read a big article, a big Twitter thread about this, and it's language, but it makes it all the difference. There's a difference between asking people to swear allegiance and inviting them to. It's not so much that we're being told we have to or even ask if we would. It's like, if you want to, you can. So firstly, it's not like the entire nation being told, you have to do this. It's like, no, 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 it's totally up to you. Secondly, every MP swears an oath of allegiance to the king or the queen when they become an MP. Like Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, said, yeah, I've done it like three or four times. I'm going to do it again. On top of all that, we live in a country where the national anthem is God Save the King. (laughs) Every sporting event, you get up there and say, let's make sure this guy's all right. So, yeah, of course I'm going to. It'll be like being in an episode of Game of Thrones. That's a very good point. The anthem's God Save the King. I think the allegiance ship has sailed. I think, you know, we've, if we have to sing that song before everything, uh, you know, this is, this is a minor detail at this point. That's for the Brits anyway. For Aussies, it's a slightly different story. I can't imagine myself being at home saying, I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law. So help me God. All right, where are the Doritos? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on for two secs. This is going to be the most London thing ever. Sorry, can you just take the next on your right, please? Thank you. This cab ride, I left uh, the High Commissioner's residence, and then the next on your left, left the High Commissioner's residence, went through Hyde Park, past Marlebone. Literally, I drove over at the Abbey Road crossing on the way home, <laughs> and now I'm just about to fly from my house in North London. It's been the most London cab ride ever. It's been the most London cab ride um, for a very a most London event, a most British event happening in the next 24 hours. That was Adam Hills from London, one of the few Aussies attending the coronation. Hope you have a great time, mate. Thank you so much, and thanks. And yeah, just here on the corner. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing all this in the <laughs> That was comedian Adam Hills in London about to attend the coronation of King Charles. And if you're up for watching it here in Australia, it will air on our TV screens. I'm not going to give the exact time because I know that's going to upset you if you're listening in Perth. (laughs) 
love you. It'll air on our screens tomorrow evening-ish. I'm sure if you wanted to find out the exact time for whatever city or town you live in, um, you could probably easily do that. All right, get your coronation quiches ready. Get that Pledge of Allegiance ready. I won't be saying it personally, but if you want to, go for it. Enjoy. Listener.